let's get into our, our question for this week. But again, like I've been doing the last weeks, I'm going to try to build up the question. And so um, one of the things that I've learned is that there is no secret to success. You learn this in life. There are no secrets. I always thought, you know, so the people who are the most successful, they have some secret that no one else has. But that's not true. If you, if you want to be good in uh, becoming rich, what do you need to do? Save more than you spend. You know what I mean? Like, if you're spending more than you're saving, you're not going to have any money. Can you agree with me? That's no secret. You know what I mean? If you want to lose weight, what is the secret? Burn more calories than you eat, right? If you can burn more calories than you're eating, there's nothing there, right? So we, there's no secret to any of this. Can you all agree with me? But what's the hard part? Doing it. We know all the secrets, but it's easier to spend more than say. Can you agree? It's easier to eat that cookie. Oh, man, I'm excited this week. There's some pies and some cookies. <laughs> is anyone else excited to eat? Thanksgiving is so great. But all of it to say there's no secrets to success. Same thing for spiritual life. Right? There's nothing groundbreaking needed. I think one of the biggest parts of success in Christian life is reading the Bible, right? We know this. The Word is our guide. It's the foundation. We've talked about it. We look throughout Scripture. You know, in Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So what do we recognize the Word is? The Word is a, it's a guide for us. So if you're ever confused, Go to the Word. The Word was given. You know, I talked about this. God didn't make us and let us be lost. He gave us guidance through His Word. Can you all agree? Psalms 119 verse 11 in the same chapter it says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. But we also see the use of the Word of God is keeps us away from sin. And it says, you put the word in your heart. You know, growing up, we used to memorize the Bible. We used to do like, we had to do so many. But even today, these, the generation, no one studies the word like that. And we wonder why we've gone, our generation is going more towards sin. The word is not going in. Psalms, or 1 Timothy 3, 3 verse 16 to 17 says, all scripture is, God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what is the point of the word of God? Teaching. What else? Rebuking. What else? Correcting. You don't need a preacher to correct you. You don't need sermon from T.D. Jakes or, you know, whatever. Let's put, insert Big preacher of the time, Michael Todd, which has gone to the back now a little. Stephen Furtick, like insert name. You don't need that. What you need is you need to get into the word yourself. Each one of us. This is a gift. You know, back in the day, they didn't even have this. Like it wasn't accessible for everyone. It was like you had to go to read the word. You had to go to the synagogue and get the scroll. And then you could listen to someone teach you. Because like it wasn't like everyone could read then either. Now we have the word and no one reads the word. 
we have to be getting into the word ourselves. But that's one of the most difficult things. So I ask you a simple question. Why is the church today not as hungry for the word as in the past? And maybe in the past, maybe I'm glorifying the past, but generally when I hear the past and stories of the early church, people were hungry for the word. They would sit there for hours and listen to a sermon. We can't even get 20 minutes and we're already thinking about lunch and 20 other things, which is not to blame anyone, but they told me they would sit for two hours just listening to the word. Why? Why have we lost a hunger, and not even for sermon listening, for just us getting into the Word ourselves? All of it to say, the prayer from this message is that we become hungry for the Word. And like I said, I pray that hopefully you are listening to people and things like that, but even more than that, you are getting in the Word yourself. So let's get into the text which guides us. Always we look at the text to guide us. 1 Peter chapter 1 or 2, verse 1 and 3 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what do we see? Like a baby... We have to crave the Word of God. So if you don't know, look to a baby, and it will give you guidance. And so one thing I learned from having a baby is, why is the church not hungry? We haven't cultivated a hunger for the Word. You have to cultivate a hunger of the Word. It's not going to naturally, you're not going to be like, I'm so hungry for God today. You have to cultivate that. So let's look at a baby. So I have a picture of Micah and her first month. You see, she's just laying there sleeping. And then we have Micah at five months. And we see her smiling. What do we notice is the difference between Micah in the first picture and Micah in the next picture? What do we notice is the difference though? Look at her cheeks. Isn't that so cute? I love when their cheeks get so fat and so full. But you know, what do we notice? As a baby grows in hunger, we need to grow in hunger for God. Learn from the baby, right? So I want to say this. Micah didn't become Micah here overnight. Micah became new Micah, five-month Micah, by daily being hungry. Every day she grew her stomach. You know, they, uh, they say a baby in her first month or first day can only eat that much, like a cherry, the colostrum, um, feet as small as a cherry. That's how big the stomach is. And then as it goes on by a month, how big is the stomach? It's the size of an egg. So every day she's feeding and she's growing, but that was something she did. She grew herself. So in the same spiritual way, you have to cultivate a hunger for the Word of God, right? You know, I brought another physical demonstration to help because I think these help. So, so we have her stomach. I have a balloon, by the way, for those online. And the balloon, I just gave a little bit of air, which is now the size of a probably cherry, right? And what do we have to keep doing day by day? 
You cultivate more and more so that the stomach grows and that you're capable of holding on to it. Many times we come into service and the Word doesn't interest us because we haven't spent time in the Word ourselves. You're so bored with the Word because your stomach can't even handle it. Imagine if I try to feed as much now as we did on the first day. Michael on the first day wouldn't even be able to handle it. Her stomach wasn't big enough. And many people are so spiritually immature that they can't handle the Word. And the way that you do it is you have to cultivate a hunger for the Word yourself. Every day you have to read. Every day you have to be interested. You have to get into the Word yourself. And that's my challenge to you today. Cultivate a hunger for the Word. You know, it says in this, in this picture, it goes from f 5 to 7 millimeters to uh, 80 to 150 millimeters. She is going 20 times what she started with. Today you're like, I can't listen to the Word 10 minutes before getting bored. You have to say, okay, let me get into the Word daily and be hungry. Guess what? You will be, your capacity for the Word is 20 times than the first day. So I really want to encourage you. Spirit, this is about spiritual maturity also. Because if you read the text, what does it say? Uh, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. The goal is that as you get hungry for the Word, you stop being an immature Christian. That the, the second stress comes, you crumble. That the second, you know, somebody gets mad at you, you react. You let the Word of God, you sit with it, you let it go inside, and you let your stomach get bigger and bigger for the Word, your life changes. You become more mature. And I'm telling you this, the first time you have a victory, oh, it's one of the best feelings. When someone gets mad at you and you don't react back, you're like, man, I'm changing. I'm becoming different. But we're not even allowing it because the Word is not going in. We get so stressed and overwhelmed because the Word has not gone in. I'm not saying a message. The Word, you have to sit with the Word and let it go inside of you. So I want to encourage you today, grow up. We have to cultivate a hunger for the Word. Now I was going to say this as well. Anything you cultivate, right? Anything you really enjoy, you have cultivated. I have a picture of the cowboys up there. You know, in many days, it's hard to enjoy them. But even still, right, people cultivate a hunger for it. You know, the, the people keep up with their stats. You know, before a game on Sunday, you know, you look at, okay, who are we playing? What are their records? There are TV shows now where literally for 30 minutes, they will talk about a sports team. Why? Because as you hear it more, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, maybe I want to go listen and watch the game. Right? Where does that come from? Where does our hunger to watch the game come from? We cultivated that. Anything you genuinely enjoy, you have cultivated. Sometimes I wonder how people enjoy things. Like some, I know friends who watch the Kardashians. How do you enjoy that nonsense? Do you know how? They've cultivated. They'll talk with their friends. Oh, did you see what Chloe did to this? Or Tristan did to them. And I'm like, who are these people? Right? But some people genuinely enjoy nonsense. Why? I mean, I'll say the same for the Cowboys. We enjoy the nonsense because we've cultivated that. And my challenge to you is, do you want to enjoy the word more? You have to cultivate it. You know, I want this to be a thing where even when you sit down to eat with someone, like your friends, 
Don't just talk about random things. Let the word be a part of y'all's conversation. Isn't that exciting to think? Like it can be a part of us wherever we go. So my challenge today is this. How does our hunger grow? You have to cultivate it. As a baby grows its stomach, you got to grow your hunger for God. And so I wanted you to think just quickly for a second, where is your stomach? You know, you have the cherry. Are you like someone that I can't even sit two minutes? Maybe you're the cherry. Maybe you're, maybe you're like, okay, I can read a chapter and I'll study for a little. Maybe you're the egg. But my challenge to you is be like an adult. You know how big, how big a stomach of an adult is? How big the stomach of an adult is? I'm holding it up. The size of a fist. Get to maturity where you love getting in the Word. On a stressful day, rather than thinking, okay, I just want to watch a show and turn my mind off, maybe it's like you read two minutes and it just refreshes your soul. Cultivate it. So I will say, we're going to read one more story today and I'll be finished. So how do we cultivate a hunger for the Word? And we're going to look again at another text to teach us how we cultivate specifically a hunger for the Word. This is in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. And this is a story of the eunuch, Philip and the eunuch. Have you all heard this story before? So the story goes, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And as he, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage that he was reading was this, uh, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who, who can describe his generation, for his life <coughs> is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he was passed, and as he passed through the, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So I'll give you three pieces of advice of how you cultivate a hunger for the word through this text. The first thing I see, spend time in the word. There's nothing more than this. You have to get into the word yourself. You see this? The man had no idea what he's doing. Like in verse uh, 28, he came to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So this man is literally traveling. He stops and he just starts reading the Bible. He reads the scriptures. You have to just spend time in the scriptures. Whether you understand it or not. Many times our difficulty is 
Sam, nothing happens. I'll read John chapter 1. I don't get anything. I don't understand what's happening. Right? We think magic will happen. I spent 30 minutes doing it, and I'm going to understand all of the deep secrets of God. The way that you grow your depth in the Word is you have to just spend time. And spending time means awkwardly spending time. Spending time means you don't even know what's happening. You may not feel like anything is happening. You just spend time. But here's the promise of God. The beautiful thing is this man is just spending time. And what does God do? God sends a man to him. Isn't that amazing? If you are eager and hungry for God, not in your time, but just hungry for God to sit with him, God will send something. He'll send his ravens. He'll send somebody to you to feed you so you understand. But the difficulty is we just don't spend time. Because it doesn't work out, we're just like, all right, let me do something else. Let me go listen to someone else explain it to me. You know, there are, I believe this honestly, there, even in this congregation and in the churches, there are way more evangelists and preachers, but we have dumbed ourselves down by just listening to somebody else. I'm here, I've done my job, but this is to spark you to go spend time with God. You need to listen to Him to guide you. Genuinely, I believe this. I'm not the end all. God talking to you. Man, and when he talks to you, it's one of the most beautiful things. Like that's it. The second you taste that, there's nothing better. He wants to talk to you. You might feel like, oh man, a sermon is so good. When he talks to you, oh my goodness, man. Sometimes I'll be spending time with God and it's like time will just go. And I'm just thinking about truths that he's given. And it's like 30 minutes will pass, 45. It is sweet when you can find that connection with God yourself. But it takes time. I'll tell you this. When I really got into the Word, I've told this before and I'll say it again. The, the youth pastor of our church said, he put a challenge. If anyone can read the Bible, follow the daily plan, he'll give a special prize. And I remember being like, man, special prize sounds amazing. And so I was in it because I was like, I want to get that helicopter or whatever it was. And so every day I read. And at the end of the year, I finished. And I raised my hand when he asked. There was like five of us. And he gave us $20 bills. He just gave us an envelope with $20. I was like, what a waste of a year. But what I loved, though, was I had established a habit. And so that next year, I did it again. And I would, this is me in like ninth grade. And in ninth grade, I'm reading. So I would wake up early to read just because I wanted to get this done. Well, the second year, I did it because I, the habit was there. And again, in the midst of all of this, I'm like, what is the point of this? I'm reading through the genealogy, and I'm like, why? Why do I have to read from Shadrach, 2000, from Enoch, 100? Like, why does this matter? But I just kept doing it. And the most beautiful thing happened in the third year. In the third year, as I was reading, because again, the habit is established. I was reading, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was reading something about Methuselah or Enoch that connected with something in the New Testament. And this idea came to my mind. I was like, wow, this is really cool. It was like the word spoke to me. But you see, the groundwork was laid. You know, it's like when you spend time in the word, it's like those roots are going down. And once the roots go down, then the, the fruit comes up. But we don't spend the time. It took three years. Do you understand that? It's a commitment to just be in the word. So from my life, let me encourage you, just spend time.
Like the second you get home from work, if it's like you're tired, make that the priority. Because you know as the night, night goes on, it's harder. Can you all agree with me? I'm out. Like by 7 o'clock, I'm tired. So I, the first thing I do when I try to get home is me and Zion try to spend some time. Because otherwise we won't. Make it intentional. So I want to ask you a question to make you think. Where do you spend time when you have free time to choose? That is what you are cultivating. Truly, when you have free time and what you do with it, what are you doing with your free time? That is a good indication of what you're cultivating. And I'm not asking you to stop all of it. If you like playing sports, please, we want to be active. If you like being with your friends, do those things. Those are healthy. But in the midst of that, prioritize the word. Let the word be something that we're cultivating daily. And so I, I, I'm going to ask you one more question. What stops you from spending time in the word? You have to understand this for yourself. Maybe it's like nothing happens. Trust, right? Maybe it's like, I don't know where to start reading. Ask someone. Figure out what stops you and get into the word yourself. The second thing I learned from the eunuch is this. <coughs> he asked questions. The best way to learn anything is to ask a question. So many people, I remember growing up and they'd be like, don't ask, you're going to look silly. You look more silly not asking and making a mistake than just asking. Just ask. You see the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, they were... And in verse 34, the eunuch said what? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? So the eunuch reads the text in the previous verses, and he asks a question about the text. You have to read your text, and if you want to go deeper and cultivate more, you have to ask yourself. You have to be curious about the Word of God. You. And that's just simply asking questions. The way you grow in curiosity towards anyone. You know, when you go on a, like when you're first meeting someone, you're going to build a relationship with them. What do you do? When you're first dating, what are you doing? You're asking questions to get to know them. As you're asking questions, you're getting to know God more. So start asking. You know, I, I'm on one end of the spectrum. I ask a lot of questions. You know, and this wasn't always the case. You know, in high school, I would just read and I would read. But as I got to college, we did this thing called small group where we would come together, we would underline a text, and we would ask questions. And I became addicted to it. Man, if, I don't know, I think a big part of it for me was this. I realized God's life is everything. And I want that. I genuinely want God's life. And I think for many today, we've lost that because it's like, it's just something we do. But when I was in college, I was at like, a, like a, a, a fork in the road where I had to decide, man, I really want God. And so let me ask questions. And I want to encourage you, anytime you listen to the word, ask a question. You know, there, there's a saying even in interviews, I've said this before. In an interview, they all, at the end of the interview, what do they say? Do you have any questions for me? What's the worst thing you can do? Why? Why? They say the worst thing you can do is say, I don't have any questions. Why do they say that's a bad thing? You don't seem interested in the job or the company. 
So why do they want to hire you? Really, I'll tell you this. The question shows your interest towards something. When you're really interested in God, you are asking. You are curious. You're like, God, I, I don't understand. Do I do this? Show me me. So let me encourage you, ask questions. And I can ask. I see, this is me asking. I always ask questions, though. What stops you from asking? What stops you from thinking more about what's being said to you? So reflect and think. The eunuch showed us an example of someone hungry for the word. He asked a question. The last thing I'll say, and I'll be finished. This is, and again, all of this is us increasing our stomach's appetite to receive the word. So what was the first thing I said? Spend time. The basic thing, even if you don't know what you're doing, is spend time. The second thing I said is what? It's up there, ask a question. And the last thing I can encourage you is obey what it says. You know, the most beautiful thing is the eunuch hears the gospel. And what's the first thing he does? He sees water and says, baptize me. You know, you can, I can say everything. I can say the best points. And sometimes people don't ever obey. And it's not about obeying me. It's about hopefully obeying the word of God. But you can tell somebody something once and they're ready to obey. Man, he, he didn't even care. He's like, there's random water right there. Baptize me. Some people are looking to obey. See, this is also maturity. Some people just want to hear the word and make their stomach fat, and they want to become fat in God. See, many, many people today are fat in God. We can listen to messages all day, every day. But you really want to become mature? Put it into practice. You think to yourself, man, this is not about just me hearing something. This is about me putting it into practice. And I want to encourage you, as you put it into practice, your appetite grows even more. You're like, this thing is so real. I'll give you one example of this, and I'm done, okay? So I remember when I first, you know, as I started trying to put the Word of God into practice, it's not easy. You know, it's also awkward sometimes to do things. So one of the, word, one of the ones that God always put in my heart is to love the orphans and the widows, especially the widows. I had my amici with me. But there was this one auntie in my church who was a widow. And I remember saying, hey, maybe I need to go visit her. Because I remember she was alone at this time. No one really visited her too much. And so I thought, okay. But during my seminary, they made an assignment where they wanted us to go. I'd have pastoral care class. And they said, visit someone who's either sick in the hospital or alone. So I was like, perfect. Perfect excuse to go visit her. And I had to write a, write a paper about it. And so I, I muster the courage because I was like, that's so weird to go to an auntie's house, but whatever. I call her. I was like, <coughs> auntie, do you mind if I come, you know, just visit? I didn't want to tell her it was for a paper because I felt kind of awkward saying that. So I said, do you mind if I come? Uh, like, I just want to visit you. She said, I would love it. She, she always tell, told me afterwards, like, no one visited her. And so I was glad. I was happy to go visit. And I remember I sat down with her and she made me some chaya. And it was such a nice time. I was like, man, God's word is so true. Like, you know, sometimes we're looking for value in life or meaning in life. But when we put the word into practice, it is refreshing. It's genuinely, when you obey what God says, it's refreshing for your soul. So I remember as I was sitting, I was at the table with her. I still, it was at the mesquite house. And I was sitting there and she was sitting there. And 
I was like, okay, Auntie, thank you so much. Let's pray together. And she, at the end of it, was like, hey, Sam, do you get enough uh, information for your paper? And I said, what do you mean paper? Like, I don't have a paper. I, I didn't want to, like, tell her. She's like, don't worry, Sam. I was praying, and God told me that you had a paper, which is why you were coming. And I was like, dang. I mean, have you ever seen that? I was like, dang. How do you know? And I learned something. You know, one thing I read in the Word is that God is close to those people. And so you see, I read a word and I put it into practice, but guess what? Then I became addicted to it because I was like, if God is close to those people and God is what I want, let me go close to them because maybe I can learn more about God through them. But where did it happen? It was just me not just hearing it, but putting it into practice. So let me encourage you, man. We have to cultivate a hunger for the word. So let me ask you, what stops you from putting the word into practice? You have to understand that for yourself. We have heard so much. We are a gluttonous generation many times in the word. Teach me more in the word. No, let's put <coughs> what we've learned into practice. And the beautiful thing is, the second you taste the goodness of obedience and reading the word, you're hooked. I love the word and I love putting it into practice because I've tasted it. It really is good. So I start with, or I end with where I started. Why is the church today not as hungry for the word? We're not as hungry because we haven't cultivated it. You have a responsibility to cultivate a hunger for God and a hunger for his word. What was the first thing I say? How do we cultivate it? Spend time. Even if you feel like it's 10 minutes, God will take anything. Give him 10 minutes. Say, I'm dedicating 10 minutes. You know, the challenge was 15 minutes, even to the end of this month. Take 15 minutes. Say, God, I want to spend time in your word. What's the next thing I said? Ask a question as you're reading. If you want to have a, note, <coughs> a notepad, get a notepad and write. Talk to people through your questions. What's the last thing I say? Obey. I'm telling you this. The second you taste the goodness of the obedience, it's so refreshing. It's so good you want to do even more. And my prayer in all of this is this, that we stop being babies like we read and that we grow up. Like my, I don't want Ma Micah to stay skinny and small like that forever. I want her to grow. I, and you know, when God looks at you, he wants you to grow in your walk. He wants your cheeks to get chubby on the word of God. He wants you to get full with him. He's ready to feed you, but many times we have just not cultivated that hunger. So cultivate that hunger this week, and our prayer is as we do this, when you obey more and more, you look like Christ. That's the prayer. As you, <coughs> as you mature yourself, you become an image of Christ. That's all of that we want to do. Let people stop seeing me and let them see Jesus in me. And as we end today, we're going to continue doing the tradition of spending time in the Lord's table. But my prayer is this, you know, as we partake of this, we remember week by week what Jesus did for us. He understood God. He understood his word and put it into practice. We benefit from the obedience of Christ. And here's my prayer 
There's going to be a generation of people, I believe this, many young people in our generation will be benefited because we obeyed what God needed. We are going to help some people out of depression and anxiety, confusion. <coughs> God is going to give us the grace. So as you partake of this, look to Christ and recognize <coughs> He is our example and He is our guide.